So welcome along to this week's A Story to Tell with me, Richard Beauvoisin. On this week's show, we had Liam Ball, who's a full-time professional magician, and he even did some magic on the radio. Hope you enjoy. So welcome along. It's Richard Beauvoisin here until midday today here on Radio Bath. And today on A Story to Tell, I have the lovely Liam Ball, and he's a magician. Good morning, Liam. Good morning, Richard. How the devil are you good, sir? I'm very well. It's quite warm today, actually. It is, yes. I'm here. We're on Zoom for those that aren't aware. So Liam's not here in the studio, uh, but he's uh, he's a magician, a full-time magician and known as yep. the Gentleman Magician. So first of all, tell us why you called a Gentleman's magi- Magician and how did you get to where you are right now? Gosh, that's that's quite a story. So um, so I, I moved from my humble beginnings in the north um, down to London about seven years ago on the back of some pretty significant life choices. Um, And predominantly I moved because what I wanted to do was I wanted to do more magic. I wanted to be more involved in the magic scene. I I was and am a member of the magic circle. Um, I wanted to be more involved in that to be able to go more because that's the HQs in London. Um, And I also kind of had this thought in my head that if I want to do more magic, London's probably the place to be. So I did that. Um, And when I moved to London, it was very much a, a... a journey of sort of self-discovery and self-development. I didn't really know who I was. Um, I don't even mind saying that I was not a great magician when I moved to London seven years ago. Okay. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't something that I'd done at any point seriously. Um, like I'd, I'd always been a hobbyist. I'd always been somebody who knew a few tricks and was a good laugh in the pub. And I'd taken on a few gigs, and that was always nice. But I, I don't think I'd ever. In hindsight, I wouldn't have ever described myself now as looking back then saying I was a professional standard working magician because I I wasn't. Uh, I thought I was, (laughs) but I wasn't. Um, So then I moved to London. I started to get involved in the magic circle. I started to do more magic. Um, I made some pretty significant life choices. I grew a beard. I grew a moustache. Um, We're going to talk um, about your moustache a bit later. <laughs> yes, indeed, yeah. Um, and um, what actually happened um, when it sort of came to it was I went on a, I guess you could call it like a business development course for magicians uh, with a with a, a pretty sort of well-known magician within the magic circle, if you like. Um, known mostly, I think, to magicians. He, he's actually a, a speaker. He's a professional full-time keynote speaker, a chap called Lee Warren. And Lee was running a number of courses and, and what have you for magicians who wanted to get into business uh, to understand how it all works. And as part of that, I got a few kind of one-on-one sessions with him. And there was there was a lot of discussion around the most basic of business practices, things like branding, like understanding what your product is, like knowing who your customers are, that kind of thing. Um, and it was it was a few of those sessions. And then... There was just one day we were sat down, we were chatting away, and he said, you know, what what kind of performer are you? And I said, well, you know, I feel like I want to be, you know, sort of something that's maybe a bit more traditional, something a bit classical. Um, and and as a result of that conversation, the, 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 the phrase, the gentleman magician, was coined. And I think it fit me immediately, but it fit me so well because it, it, was, it wasn't the decision to... I'm going to be the gentleman magician. And then I created this brand that fit it. It was a case of, gosh, that's, that's who I am. That's what I am. That's who I am now. That's me. That, that, 
that describes me and my performance and the way that I perform almost perfectly. Um, so I, I stuck at it. And then, and then what I did was I essentially, I just leaned really heavily into it. Um, and, and then I, I became the gentleman magician. And now when I go out and perform at people's parties, I wake up in the morning and curl the moustache and have some breakfast and put my suit on and check my pocket watch. And I pick up my 1920s doctor's Gladstone bag and I walk out the door as the gentleman magician. And that's what they get. I mean, it is amazing for those that aren't aware, as well as being on the radio, I'm a dance teacher full time as well. And, you know, a lot of people have said to me, you know, how does your wife put up with you? Because you're kind of this character on stage. And I would say, it's me on stage. It's just me on a really good day and maybe 30% extra of what I would normally be. You know, if I'm talking like this on the radio, that wouldn't necessarily be the way I'd talk on stage because it'd be quite a different type of performance. So it's it's that balance, isn't it, between becoming a human being and yourself and being the performer and also that separate character. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, I've I've read a number of books for magicians, by magicians, on things like character development, Um and and being able to understand essentially how to how to build a character, and I mean that there's 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 loads and loads of different ways to go when you're creating a character for any kind of performance. You know, when you look at things like movie actors, they're generally playing, you know, like a superhero or a mm. or a, a spy or a you know a soldier or something like that, something that they they have never been and will never be. Whereas it, it's I think it's it, it's been a bit different for me because. I've always been a magician and, and it's, it's, it's a funny thing when, I, when people kind of get to this, that there's a, there's a phrase that I coin a lot where I say magic isn't something I do. A magician is something that I am and have always been. I don't remember a time whole life when magic hasn't been a central and integral part of my, of my entire existence. So I'm guessing you so, did magic as a child. Was it one of those things you got kind of got the yeah. Christmas box and here's 40 tricks in a box? Basically, yeah. So I think I got a Paul Daniels magic set when I was seven or eight. Um, and I remember, I mean, I, I've got sort of very fond and distant memories of, of me sort of sitting on my father's knee, watching magic shows and watching people like Paul Daniels on TV when it was a thing back in the 80s. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I remember seeing, you know, sort of great magicians such as Eugene Berger, who sadly passed away a few years ago, you know, working alongside Daniels and, you know, the great Tom Sini and, and all that sort of thing, doing what they did and it being a source of amazement. And it was actually my father who encouraged me. So when at the age of nine in a market, there was a guy selling magic tricks and I wanted to have one. My parents thought, gosh, we'll buy him this to shut him up. I'm sure I'm sure that'll be that. And And actually what they did was open the door to a world of possibilities and imagination and, and yeah everything kind of kind of snowballed from there really so i'm guessing you do magic at weddings and parties and kind of what's your what's your bread and butter i suppose so predominantly i work in two scenes um i perform at weddings and i perform at corporate events um what i actually do um in in i say in addition to I am a magician. I am the gentleman magician, but predominantly what people actually hire me for is for my hosting services. Okay. Um, so for instance, at a wedding, if I get hired for to, to go and attend at a wedding, I, I'm not the guy that's going to turn up at two o'clock when you're about to sit down for dinner with a few card tricks and annoy people while they're trying to eat their chicken. Um, I'm very much the chap who has arrived probably before anybody else in the day. 
Um, I welcome all the guests. I make sure they all know what's going on. I act as Toastmaster. I make all the announcements. I do a fantastic introduction for not only the wedding couple, but the whole bridal party. Um, I turn it into a party environment, and I do lots of magic throughout the day. And I essentially offer a service where I take all of the stress of running a wedding day away from the wedding couple, and I do it for them, while... At the same time, in between all of those organisational bits, I make sure that everybody has a thoroughly good time and sees some fantastic magic. And I do all the introductions and I introduce the speeches. And I essentially, I turn up as the guy that is there to do whatever it takes to make sure that this is the best wedding that you've ever been to, including your own. Including your own. Sounds good. I have the pleasure of doing lots of first dances as well. Um, Yes. in me doing them. I've been married a few times but let's not talk about that right now um, <laughs> giving maybe slightly too much away publicly um but more about the fact that i choreograph lots of first dances mm. and yeah people love that part of the day as well and you know having a dance at the wedding is is a major thing for lots of people but having somebody that as you say can take the stress away mm. from the whole wedding day would be really really nice so what would you say would be kind of if you were at a corporate event or or a wedding event what's kind of your speciality is it cards is it kind of big tricks what's where do you sit in that line um i think my speciality at those events is is being wherever i'm needed to do whatever is needed to be done um but as a magician um i i tend to try and perform things which are in, entirely impossible so i i do do some card tricks i probably know about four really okay. great card tricks that i do reasonably i'm going to show you on later actually i, I yeah. do reasonably regularly yeah so for those aren't aware if you for later on in the show we're going to get you to get a pack of cards and mm. we're going to do some live magic on the radio as well i'm going to do it as well i've got my cards here sat next to me already so yes. uh, later interactive on show, magic we're going to try Inter- doing some magic together yeah interactive magic for everybody that'll be a little bit of fun yeah um but i i tend to i tend to operate as well with a, I, I think so many people have almost an expectation that a magician's going to turn up with a deck of cards. Um, and, and there's probably one of the most common things that gets said as a magician when I take a deck of cards out of my pocket as people go, I've seen this one. Mm. <laughs> and I think, really? <laughs> Great. Um, because, I, I mean, I, I probably know somewhere in the region of five or six hundred card tricks right um and for the most part they're all derivatives of something yeah um and like i say i i actually perform three or four of them in in a in a realistic manner because they're the ones that i think fit my style and that work really well um but if i'm not doing things with cards um i i try as much as possible to perform really memorable and hard-hitting magic with things that are either a little bit unusual or things that I can pick up off the table. So it's not beyond me to push bottles and glasses through tables at weddings. Okay. Um, it's not beyond me to take somebody's um, glasses, for instance, from their face and make them levitate in front of them. Um, it's, you know, I, I do I do magic with coins. I do magic with banknotes. Um, I do... I do a great little thing with a with a ribbon and a and a finger ring that 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 vanishes and then appears in a ridiculously impossible location. And um, of course, all of these things are real, aren't they? Ab- well, absolutely, yes. I mean, you know, they are they are as real as I think you can you can possibly imagine them to be. Um, 
I, I think it's it's a really interesting conversation as well, especially when you start to get into groups of magicians and you ask the question, what is magic? Um, and the number of times I've had people say to me, oh, oh, I, I, no, I, it's not for me. I don't like magic. And 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 I say to, I say to people two things. First of all, yes, you do. Um, everybody likes magic. Everybody yeah. likes magic. There is no such thing as bad magic. Only bad magicians. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be people who are hearing this who are magicians are going to be like, "How dare you!" But that's the truth. Um, if if somebody has seen a magician in the past and they haven't enjoyed it, then they will think that they don't like magic. When in actual fact, what they didn't enjoy was potentially the trick that they were shown or maybe the way that they were made to feel there's unfortunately there is quite a lot of misogyny and unpleasantness that that is quite casually passed off in magic um because they're the lines and people say them and and we we learn stuff as magicians and and then we think gosh that it that must be how it's done and then nobody questions it past that point so it's a real interesting juxtaposition when you start to look at the trick you just bought and the lines that come with it and you think yeah but that was written in the 1930s i can't i can't say that anymore i mean i was reading a book yesterday um, and there was a paragraph in the book that said something like when you take this piece of card in order to build this prop you need to cover it with some tin foil Uh, and if you go and ask your wife she'll probably give you a piece of bako foil the kind that she uses for cooking your meals and i was just like brilliant (laughs) and the book was written in 1911 so it kind of it sort of gives you an idea but the majority of the literature that we read as magicians come from come from those eras i mean there are 25 plus thousand books written on magic and most of them were written pre-1940 so you know (laughs) well we're going to talk about more magicians shortly after some music but last part on this is we do have to mention your mustache Yes. Okay. So, uh, so for those that obviously we're on radio, so for those that can't see it or haven't seen the Facebook post about this, uh, please describe your moustache. Oh gosh. Um, so I, I, I wear a, a rather a, a traditional magician's. If, if you think stereotypical curly magician's moustache, you're probably ninety-five percent of the way there. Um, I'd like to say I have a full beard, um, but I, I don't. The, the hair on my cheeks doesn't grow very well. Um, I keep a, a small pointy beard um, at the bottom of my ch- chin face. It's down yeah, there. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, I keep it pretty clean. Um, I, I trim the edges and I, I shave my neck uh, regularly. And the moustache is groomed. Um, it's probably um, comes out maybe an inch or two from the sides of my lips, and it curls upwards. It is uh, generally meticulously waxed and washed and blow dried and trimmed every day. So that uh, I'm always ready to be the magician when I need to be. You are always on show. Well, we're going to have a quick break for music. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about other magicians as well. So we're back with Liam Ball right after this. This is Radio Bath. Okay, so we're back now with part two with Liam Ball. He's our magician that's on a story to tell today here on Radio Bath. So, Liam, how are you feeling so far? Uh, great. Um, I just popped out and popped some uh, oil on my chair. I noticed it was squeaking a little bit, so there'll be no more of that. We had, the next. we had a few squeaks there or there. Um, so we're going to talk about magicians, other magicians, but also kind of how you interact with other magicians as well now. So as a dance teacher myself, I know one of the best compliments I can be given is when somebody's watched something I've done and pinches it. 
and then does it themselves. So in the magic community, kind of how is that seen? Is it a compliment? Is it, oh, you pinched that from me? How is it kind of seen in the magic, in the magic community? Um, I think I think there's lots of varying different views on it. So um, any anybody, quite literally anybody who's listening to this or, or any magician can, can almost walk into any magic shop um, or go to a magic store online and buy a trick. And generally, when you buy a trick, it comes with a presentation. So that's that's kind of part and parcel of doing it. So if you wanted to buy um, a, a, a ring and string effect, as a, for instance I mentioned earlier on, you'll get one that comes with a presentation. Hmm. Um, and and you are quite at your liberty to go out and perform it exactly as is, because that's that's what you've purchased. So that's that's that. My experience is though that. That effects like that are generally not as good as they could be because you're only ever using somebody else's line and somebody else's moves and somebody else's effect and routine. Um, and then you you get the magicians who who go out and buy the props because it's the greatest the right prop to have, or maybe they want the rights to perform the effect, but will then sit down and rehash it and rewrite their own thing so that what they have is something which is entirely unique to them. Okay. Um, and that that might be done in a number of ways. You can buy, as I said, you can you can get sort of magic books and DVDs where you might have moves or or different plots or ideas or you know things that you can sort of. Well, I'm going to use a bit of this and a bit of this and a bit of mm. this and that one, and I'm kind of going to put those together. I'm going to change this bit and move it into there. And then what happens is you start to generate something which which really is entirely unique. Um, and and one of the dangers of that, I think, certainly that some magicians will see, is that you're then in, in danger of somebody saying, gosh, I like that, I'm going to do it that way. Yeah. When you think, well, I've just spent eight years putting that routine together, and now you're just going to lift it and go and do it after having seen it twice. And that, that, that upsets me a little bit. Yeah. But I think... It, it, it almost goes back to, again, the, the discussion we had earlier on about, about character. I mean, I, I have several effects. In fact, I think almost everything that I perform, I perform as me, as the gentleman magician. It's it's entirely and uniquely mine, down to the lines I use and the words that I use and the way that I do the things that I do. And I, I'm I'm a member of several sort of magic societies and magic groups, and I've got some fantastic friends in magics and I've, I've given some sort of great lectures and, and instruction to people as well. And, and I often say to people, I, I'm going to show you this thing. If you want to use it like this and you want to do it like this, do so with my blessing. I've got no problem at all with that because that's, that's what I'm showing you. That's what I'm giving. That's what I'm teaching you. And I'm explaining why I do these things and the way that I do them. But the hope is that when I've explained why I do what I do and the way that I do it, you'll understand why that may not work for you in that yeah. way. And in actual fact, we'll think, gosh, now I know why he does that like that. I can understand why I might do it like this. And therefore, what you end up with is something which is entirely new and unique. Um, on the flip side of that, of course, you've got people who will release a magic book or a magic trick, or a magic prop, or a magic effect, and claim that it's entirely unique and theirs, when in fact it isn't. And it's it's just huge plagiarism, and they're ripping off other creators who've spent sort of years and years and, and given sort of thousands of hours and plenty of money yeah. in, in the creation and development of those things, only for somebody to then claim it as theirs. 
and that's that's seen as as quite a it's quite a sort of a nasty tactic. Yeah, I mean, you've got the. Um, I remember seeing the program with Penn and Teller where they were mm. guessing. You know, they'd watch the magicians and then figure out how the trick was done. On fullers, yeah. I thought it was a fantastic program because a they didn't give anything away, and actually mm. quite often they were fooled. You know, and they've yes. been around for so long and seen so much, and even they couldn't picture stuff. What about yourself? If you're watching other magicians, how easy it for you as an experienced magician? to look at what somebody's doing and go, I know how they're doing that. Um, so for the most part, reasonably straightforward. I mean, I've been studying magic now for nearly 35 years. So I I know a bit about a bit, <laughs> it's fair to say. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, it, it's interesting, actually. I, I, as a member of the Magic Circle, I, I also sit on the examining body of the Magic Circle. So I examine new members when they apply to join. And right. part of that process is that they give a presentation um, and they, they come along to HQ and, and they, they perform some magic. And I'm I'm one of three people on a given night who will sit and watch them and go, yeah, that was really good. And they did these moves and they were really well executed or they did this move and it was a, it was bad. And the reason it was bad was because of this and so on. Um, so I, I think magicians approach the concept of being fooled differently to non-magicians and and actually it was coined really well on an episode of Penn and Teller's Foolers um, and we refer to it as the 90-10 rule and the 90-10 rule where being fooled in magic sort of goes like this if I show you a trick and 90% of that trick fooled you as a layman but 10% of it you think you might have a sort of kind of idea as to how I might have done it, you're more inclined to say, I know how you did that. Despite the fact that for the 10% you're just not sure about, and the other 90% you've got absolutely no idea whatsoever. Yeah. Whereas with magicians, if I watch a magician doing something and I know 90% of their method, but there's 10% of it that I'm not entirely certain that I think they might have done this, but I don't really know, I'm more inclined to say that you fooled me. Okay. Because you showed me something new which I I can't I can't put together. Um and and that's that's a really kind of interesting juxtaposition. Um there's also a wonderful and, and, and I'm I'm gonna kind of paraphrase a little bit, there's a wonderful magician who performs a lot at the Magic Circle, a chap called Michael Vincent. He's a he's a wonderfully classical magician, an absolute master among masters, probably I, I, I would say one of the best five sleight of hand artists in the world. And we get to see him most weeks at the Magic Circle in, in, in the shows we perform at there. Um, and, and part of his presentation is that he says that when he decided he wanted to be a magician, he he accepted that he was most likely never going to feel astonishment ever again. <laughs> because when you start to learn how things like this work, your level of astonishment decreases because there is so little out there that will surprise you anymore. Um, and actually, I think as magicians, we then get to a point where we start to look for the beauty in the performance and the clever thinkings. And every once in a while, something comes along where somebody does something and you just suddenly sit back and go, what? How? I can't process how you got from that. I was with you. And then you pulled the rug out from under me and now I'm free falling with no clues to what's going on. Um, 
And as you say, that yeah. doesn't happen that much for you anymore, does it? Not because, at all. No, unfortunately no, it's like, not. It's a bit like with dancing. I, I actually, you know, when I teach a lot of people and they're kind of in the early stage of the dancing, I'm almost jealous of them. And I said this to a couple the other day, you're really good now, but you've got so much to learn. I'm actually mm. quite jealous of what your journey is in front of you. That journey's all behind me. I've still got yeah. huge amount to learn. You know, I still reckon I'm 5% of the dancer I want to be. And I've been going for 25 years. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of like, you've got so much to do. And like, yeah. as a layman myself, I don't know anything about magic. magic. Um, so I just go along for the ride. But I suppose what you're liking more often than not is not necessarily the magic that they're showing you because you can kind of guess what they're doing, but more mm. about the performance that they're yeah. giving you. That's right, yeah. See, seeing a great magician perform is wonderful. And actually, um, I mean, I I saw... Again, I mean, I'll mention him again, sort of Michael Vincent perform an effect at the Magic Circle a few weeks ago. And and I've probably seen him perform it seven or eight times. And it's just the most beautiful piece of magic. And the end brings a spectator he's working with almost to the brink of emotional joy and tears, mm. where she's she's kind of like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I, I, I don't know how to process the emotion that I've got right now from what is a realistically simple and straightforward card trick, but with all this wonderful packaging and presentation around it, that just makes it feel like an unforgettable moment of impossible magic. Um, but then I, I sort of, I compare that to another chap I saw who does a thing with numbers on stage where he gets people to and he does this thing with numbers. And at the end of it, he goes, and there you go. And I'm just like, no, no. What do you mean? No date? No. No, that can't work. I've seen you do it five times, and it's always different, but it's always the same. That can't work. How do you do that? And he just laughs at me. Um, so, so yeah, it's it, it's it's a real interesting juxtaposition. But I mean, for me, predominantly, I I love to see well performed magic. Um, I I think that a, a mediocre magician who is a great performer will always be a better magician than an exceptional technical performer who hasn't got any personality skills. Yeah. And I say, as you know, we have the same in dance teaching, you know, those can be amazing teach, amazing dancers and accurate teachers, but quite boring. Yes. And I'd much rather have somebody being entertaining me and they're pretty good at dancing, pretty good at teaching. So I'd much rather go down that route. Thank you for that, Liam. We're going to have another little break for music. I will be right back after this. This is Radio Bath. Radio Bath. So we're back with Liam Ball now, and we're going to talk about the past. Now, yeah. no, everybody kind of looks back on the past, and you think, right, how good were these people compared to these people? So you mentioned Paul Daniels earlier. I grew up in that mm -hmm. era. Not a lot yeah. of people know that, unfortunately. Um, that surprises me. <laughs> I know. It's a terrible moment. Um, but kind of how do you look on magicians from the past? Because we all take bits from them and go, I like what you did then. Or do you kind of get inspired by those from the past? Um, definitely. I mean, there's, there's a great saying in that, that there is nothing new in magic. Anything that has ever, that, that ever can be done with magic has been done by somebody somewhere already. Um, and actually, if there's, there's, there's a great phrase that you hear quite often coined at the magic circle. If you want to go and find the latest new effect that's going to bamboozle everybody, and it's going to be brand new and it's going to be a new miracle, go and look in the oldest magic book you can find and read it. Right. Go and look in a book that somebody hasn't read in 20 years and you'll find something there that nobody will know 
because they've just forgotten it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Um, and actually, when you look back at people like you know Paul Daniels, I mean Paul Paul was great because you know he was a wonderful magician, um, and and of course he you know he he sort of he, he put magic on the screen. Um, but I, I think I think what a lot of people maybe never contemplate is that when you're putting together something like a magic show on the TV, it's it's so not about well, of course it is about the magician on stage, but actually they are. They are one part of a team of people who who create all of these these great things that happen. Um, so, I mean, I I know sort of historically that one of the people who used to do a lot of consulting and working with Paul Daniels was a chap called Ali Bongo. Um, he was a, a gentleman who, who was a past president of the Magic Circle. He sadly passed away some years ago, but just an absolute fantastic magician. Um, he did a lot of work within the community of magic for magicians, sort of helping them to learn ways to get better. Um, he also helped and, and was quite integral in setting up things like the Young Magicians Club at the Magic Circle, which is a great incentive for you know sort of younger magicians between the ages of ten and eighteen if they want to learn magic and be involved in a in a national community of younger magicians. You know, it's 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 something which is open to them. And again, he was integral in doing all of that sort of stuff. Um, but even even you know, sort of from there, going to more modern day things like looking at Darren Brown. Darren's a phenomenal performer. Yeah. But actually, what you see on stage is the culminate is a cumulative work of three or four people. I I, I know I know one of the names. Um, I don't know all of the names, so I'm not going to say any of them because I don't want to leave anybody out. But but they're all they're all phenomenal magicians and they're all amazing thinkers. And and they literally sit down and say, well, we'll do this trick and do that trick. And sometimes Darren says, no, I don't like that. I want to do this. And they go, yeah, that's a good shout. And sometimes they go, don't be ridiculous. You're doing it this way. And he goes, yeah, OK, fair enough. That makes sense. Um, and while he's the guy on stage doing the work and, you know, he is the face yeah. Essentially, Darren Brown is a team of people who make it all happen from, you know, the, the, the people that, that, that book the theatres to the people who write the scripts to the people who decide which effects are going to go where to the people who make the props, the whole thing. Um, and then, of course, it all it all comes together and, and, and that's what you see. So it's it's fascinating then to to be able to see that and. I mean, Darren just recently released a book, which I've started reading, which is about the concept of creating a show. And you get to a point, it's it's almost kind of like in in, in dancing. I don't know if we cover this, but I also dance. That's, that's how we yeah, know each other. Absolutely. Um, and, I, and I, you know, I heard the, 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 the phrase coined once that, you know, when people start dancing, they want to learn the beginners. And then the beginners want to learn the intermediates and then the intermediates want to learn the advanced and then the advanced want to learn all the dips and drops and aerials and the super advanced dancers, they're all working on the basics. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's the truth. Um, and it's the same, it's the same really with, with magicians. I, I so often sit down with my sort of little group of sort of friends and students and they say, well, we want to learn this thing. And I say, great. Okay. But where's it coming from? What's, What's the basic derivative of this? Have you learned that? Have you learned everything you can know about it? Have you have you nailed this tiny little move here so adequately that it's not just that you can do it right every time, that it's impossible for you to do it wrong? Yeah. Because that's the only point at which you can then start to progress. And it's really difficult to get that across to people. So, you know, when you when you then literally start reading books and thinking, gosh, I I kind of know that move, but I don't know it like that. I know it like this and 
And then you, you learn it. And you go, oh, right, wow. So now I can understand why it went from this to this and how I ended up learning this. But actually learning that opens up doors to other things. Um, and then, of course, you, you just start focusing on things like presentation and taking the most basic card trick you know and turning it into a miracle yep. simply by changing how it's presented. Yeah, I had the pleasure of seeing Darren Brown in theatre. I was going to say in concert then. That doesn't make any sense, does it? And still <laughs> to this day, it was a number of years ago over at the Bristol Hippodrome. And still to this day, I'm still thinking about that that evening. Um, mm. Still some of it blew my mind how things happened. Um, I almost felt like there was a, because I've been done quite a lot of hypnotism as well, and I almost felt like people were in a, in a trance to some degree. Um, whether mm. it was or not, I don't know. I don't know his techniques, but uh, you had the pleasure of meeting the great man not too long ago, I believe. I did, yeah. That was that was a fascinating night. Um, so one of our uh, members, a chap called Richard Young, who who knows Darren, used to do a podcast for magicians, um, and he, he stopped it some years ago, but actually has decided to revive it again. And his first interviewee on the podcast was going to be Darren Brown again, talking about his new book that he's just released. It was kind of like a book launch as well. So we did this great event at the Magic Circle in London where there was a book launch Darren came along, there was a recording of a podcast, and then at the end of it, we all got to meet him and shake his hand, and, and he, he sort of signed a book for all of us, and, and yeah, it was it was lovely, but I mean, it's just, he he's he's such a down-to-earth chap. I mean, I, I've I've seen some of his TV specials, and mm. like, I've, I've seen him, you know, as, as the magician, but you also kind of get the impression that he's a really down-to-earth kind of chap. And and he is he yeah. so very much is um, to, to the to, even even to the things that are when, when you got your book signed you got this this photograph taken with him which is of course how I ended up with that picture yeah. and it was lovely and um, there was a there was a, another good friend of mine there who was, who was just in front of me in the queue and when I got over to him and Darren said oh what's your name I said oh Sam I said oh Sam um, and at which point Sam my friend he sort of took a chance and he said listen he said. I know that smiling face. He said, you're doing that for you. Put the smile on because it's there and it's the camera. He said, do you want to do something different? And Darren said, sure. I'll tell you what, why don't we take the photo just as if you've just told me a joke and I think it's really funny and I'm laughing at you. Um, and that was the photo that he got, which was brilliant. He's just he's just such a real kind of down-to-earth guy because then after that, when they sort of sat down and got chatting, it turned out that he'd met him some years before and, and he remembered him out of, out okay. of oh, oh no I remember that yeah because you were with such and such a person and it was at so and so wasn't it and he was like yeah god it's like how how do you remember that it's like oh it just sticks in my head but but you know yeah really really nice guy great to meet some of the stories that he tells are fascinating he he almost opened with a story during his last show where he was he was called into the bar during the interval as people were taking their seats again because as, as an unfortunate side effect of one of the things that he'd done, there was a lady who had her head stuck to the bar in the bar to the to the table in the bar and wasn't able to move. Um, but actually, when he he went in and he said, "Listen, I can probably help," she was just like, "No, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. Go away. I don't want any help." Um, and he for the benefit you know, of the tape, Liam's just put his head on an imaginary bar. Yeah, but of course it's, it's a hilarious story, and it's what I'm looking forward to getting to in the book. Um, but you know, and he said it's he said it's funny because like you have to kind of almost break character and say, listen, in a couple of hours you're going to be okay. <laughs> like I can help you now, but if you don't, it's fine. In a couple of hours you, you'll 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 be just fine. You'll um, be all right. Yeah, but it's it's great. I mean, I I've been fortunate enough to meet 
to meet some of the some of the probably the best magicians in the world. Um, you know, people who who sort of like Piff the Magic Dragon, for instance, is, a, is actually in real life. He's a chap called John Vanderput. He's a member of the Magic Circle. You know, I've 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 had the occasional sort of brief conversation with him at the Magic Circle bar. Um, I I've I've met Penn and Teller. Uh, I've sp- I know what Teller's voice sounds like. I was going to say he never speaks. <laughs> yeah, no, he does. He does. He's quite a talkative chap, actually, and <laughs> and he's got so much to say. Um, and and he's so unbelievably passionate about magic. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, it really is like it's something which is is just the biggest part of his life. Um, but yeah, so I've 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 had the, the joy of meeting some phenomenal magicians over the years you know from from history and otherwise um and and you know i i i just i love to sit and watch magicians performing because the things that you can learn from watching a magician perform even if you don't know how the tricks are done when you just start to look at what the performance is and the things you learn and then you get to you know hear the stories it's it's brilliant as for instance many people don't know that tommy cooper was a phenomenal sleight of hand magician mm. because all he ever did was silly things on stage that went wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, you know, so much part of his shtick that when he had a heart attack on stage and fell over and died, everybody thought it was part of the act. Absolutely. In- Very famous. Including, yeah. Including the production team until one of the managers went, I think we'd better go and check on him. He's not moving. He's not moving. He's actually dead. Close the curtains. Um, I mean, what a way to go. But I mean, yeah, so it's, 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 it's a great thing, you know, when you like, you're looking in the magic circle archive and you come across this little snippet of video of Tommy Cooper on this talk show. And this guy says, well, you do real magic. He goes, yeah, sure. Watch this. And he just blows the guy's mind. And he's like, what just happened? Um, and actually it's a pretty standard trick that most magicians learn at some point and carry in their arsenal and then decide not to do anymore because everybody does it. And it's the one I open with. <laughs> There you go. Well, talking of tricks, we're going to have another little break for music. When we come back, we're going to talk more about tricks, how they're performed and why they're done as well. So right, be right back after this. This is, this is Radio Bath. Okay, so we're back with Richard Bovers on here until midday. It's a story to tell. And I've got Liam Ball, who's a magician on the show today. And we're now on to talking about actual tricks and the tricks that you do, and why do you do them? So first question to you then, Liam, is why do you select the tricks that you do at the moment? Gosh, that's that, that's probably an entire interview all on its own, I think. <laughs> um, I Every magician that ever is, was, or will be has somewhere in their – mine's just over there – has somewhere in their possession a box of stuff that they have bought – opened looked at and gone no not for me okay Uh, um and you have to do a lot of that before you suddenly get to a point where you think oh i think i'm beginning to understand the things that i like and the things that work for me um when i'm when i whenever i'm sort of learning a new effect or adding trying to add something to my show I always try to cover off a number of things. I want it to be something where it will fit in the place in which I want to put it. Um, and and I, I tend to have three categories for the kinds of tricks that I do, which are very generically openers, middlers, and closers. 
Um, an opening effect for me has to be something where there's lots of magic happening almost from the very outset of the trick. So within four or five seconds of me starting the trick, magic has happened and it continues to happen all the way through. What I don't want to do is have this really elaborate thing where I take a deck of cards and I have you shuffle the cards and then you choose a card and you pass it to the next person and they choose a card. And then 15 minutes later, when we've eventually chosen a card, I reveal the answer because everybody's bored by then. They don't want to know that they're just like, where's he going with this? What's Mm. he doing? I want it to be almost thoughtless. I want them to be like a case of, oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. How did that happen? Oh, wow. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. So by the time you get to the end of it, they can sit back mentally and think to themselves, this guy's going to be worth watching. We can invest a bit more time in him now because we know whatever he's going to do, it's going to be good. Um, there aren't many tricks that fit that particular description um, where you can you can immediately open and you can immediately start hitting people with magic. And I suppose, do you have that scenario where, like if you have a, a corporate gig, for instance, and you're mm-hmm. invited back every year, yeah. but if you have those scenarios or not, and then you kind of think, do you kind of keep a list of, I did these ones last year, so therefore I can't do them because they know the end of that bit. So you would you would almost think that that's the case, um, but no is the quick answer. So whenever I'm whenever I'm sort of engaged in a in a walk around as you might call it a walk around situation, so yeah. I'm I'm approaching groups of people. I'm being a professional interrupter was a, a great phrase that somebody once coined. Um, I'm approaching groups of people and saying, hey, I'm a magician. Stop what you're talking about and pay attention to me for five minutes. Um, I I generally do a round of two or three effects, and they're always the same. Okay. So every group sees the same effects in the same order. And it might be that I do one and then walk away, and then when I come back again, I'll show them effect number two. Um. And, and my, my middling effects are those where I've already gained the investiture of the audience. So they're happy to watch me because they know it will be entertaining. But it must be entertaining. It can't be boring and dry. It has, it has to be something going on that entertains them. Um, if I get engaged then to go back to the same group of people the following year, I just take the same tricks with me. Because my thought process is twofold. First of all, they hired me again because they really liked what they saw the first time round. So yeah. why would I change it? And the second is that there's absolutely no chance that they'll be able to remember. Yeah. They just they just won't know. Um, so I, I turn up and, and, and I, I had corporate clients where I've been back three, four, five, six years in a row. And, and I, I, I perform the same effects every year. Um, and then I get up on stage and I do sort of 15, 20 minutes on stage or I introduce the CEO and I... I, I do I do a thing with a newspaper and a thing with an egg and, and but that lends me to my my next question then so let's look at a corporate gig where you've got 150 people there for instance yeah and you've got 10 groups and you're going around and you're doing those same effects now yes on one hand you're going to be slicker than slick because you've done that performance of that trick so many times but at the same mm-hmm. point do you get bored of doing the same trick so many times do you know what i i genuinely if you'd have asked me this at the beginning of this process that i've started i would have thought that i might have done but actually i don't and the reason i don't is because i really enjoy seeing people being entertained and and entertaining people 
And it's a fascinating scenario when you're more concerned about the entertainment for others than you are about the enjoyment that you're getting out of it yourself. Hmm. You actually start to enjoy it more because you're focusing on what other people are seeing and perceiving and, and, and observing and enjoying. And actually it just becomes a really fun environment to work in. Um, and, and the best audiences by far, hands down in the world are those who actively want to see magic. Mm. Um, you know, like I, I go somewhere like a corporate event and, and I turn up and they go, oh gosh, there's a magician. But within a minute or two, they're like, oh my, he's really good. Whereas I go and perform at the Magic Circle every other week and people walk in, they're like, we're here to see magic, show us what you've got. Um, and actually they they all see the same stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really it's really interesting to to be able to do it. And I think what makes it fun is the in, is the genuine interactions you get with people because you almost go to a point where the effects that I do now, I'm at that point where not only do I get them right every single time, it's impossible for me to get it wrong. Hmm. There's loads of ways it could go wrong, but not none of them for me because I've worked out all the kinks and all the bugs. I know exactly how everything works to the point where it's all in, entirely natural. Everything that happens just happens. It's just a thing. And then you start to have really genuine interactions with people, which opens up a whole new level of, of performance because you start to make real connections with people. And, and that's where the real enjoyment comes from. And actually you just, you never get bored of it. It's just great. I mean, I, I always look at, so I've in the, all the years of running dancing, I've, I've hired three magicians over the years one was at my wedding and he was i thought it was an exceptional one and i still don't quite understand how the card ended up in his shoe but i'm sure yeah. you do know how it ended up in his shoe um <laughs> uh, for the benefit of the tape liam is nodding um the second magician was we had a big bournemouth ball and uh he entertained the queue because we knew there'd be a queue coming into the bournemouth pavilion and he entertained the queue and and yeah he was fantastic the third one though wasn't quite so good uh, he ended up becoming naked on stage, uh, which was his thing, um, and doing a variety of magic whilst becoming naked. And for our our clientele, wasn't quite the right thing to do, shall we say? Um, wow! So, so yeah, it's always quite difficult regarding you know what type of magician you're going to get. I didn't realise, by the way, when I booked him, he was going to become naked. But that's a different matter altogether. So, kind of, I'm going down the route of when you're putting together stuff. Like, what's the most complex thing you've tried to put together and why did you make it complex? Or is the simple thing sometimes the best? Have you ever been naked on stage? It's the third question. <laughs> um, I, the, I'm going to answer those in reverse order. I have never been naked on stage. <laughs> I have five times. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, I can hand on heart say I never will be. Um, what, what, so I, I think, I think magicians in general often make things complex for a number of reasons. The first is because they're trying to achieve something and don't know the best way in which to do it. So they come up with these really clever, overly complex things. And, oh, this will be brilliant. It'll be so complex. It's going to be great. It's going to be such a wonderful thing. Um, and actually, almost always simpler is better. Um if I can think of five different ways of making a coin vanish, what you're going to see in every instance is a coin disappear before your eyes. Yeah. So 
it doesn't matter how much of a complex method I use to make that coin disappear. Your experience is the same all five times. The only point at which something would ever need to be more overly complex is potentially maybe because of what might follow. So it might be that I want to make the coin disappear over here and then reappear over here and for it to be the same coin without these two points ever crossing. Well, that's going to be a lot more complex than just making a coin vanish here and then a coin appear here. If I need it to be the same coin and then identifiable as the same coin, there has to be some way of, 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 of doing that. And of course, the more complexity you add to the requirements, the more complexity you get in the effect. Um, so I do, um, as a for instance, I, I do an effect where I have a little piece of ribbon with a ring. Uh, and it's usually somebody's wedding ring or engagement ring or a finger ring from somebody. And the coin vanishes from the ribbon but then appears inside an envelope, inside a wallet, inside a wallet, inside a wallet, which is on the table on the other side of the room that I haven't touched. And and I have them validate that, that it's in there before I ever take it out or go, go near it or touch it. Um, and actually, on the grand scheme of things, there is, there's two ways of, of achieving the similar kind of thing. But only one of those ways allows me to do it when the thing's on the other side of the room or on the table and it's in full view or somebody else is holding it, which is often the case if I'm walking around. Um, and then, it, of course, it becomes impossible. So the, the, the complexity of the method is then a requirement. Hmm. And then, of course, you think, well, it's going to have to be more complex because I need to overcome these obstacles. So how can I how can I allow for that complexity yet still make it as simple and easy as possible? Yeah. Um, and it's 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 a real it's a real mind map. It's you know it's uh, it's quite boggling when you start to go through things. Um, but actually, usually you'll come across something where somebody will go, "Why don't you think about doing this?" Mm. Um, for it, there was there was oh there was a great. I was chatting to, I forget who it was now, a phenomenal magician at the Magic Circle some months ago. And he said, I'm trying to do this and I need to do this and I've got to do that. He said, and then I need for the card to be on the bottom of the pack, but it's, but it's on top. He said, I need to find a way of getting it from the bottom to the top or from the top to the bottom, but without doing any moves. Or at least looking like it. He said, so I've thought about this and I've got this shuffle and I've done that and blah, blah, blah. He said, and I don't like this. And we talked about it for ages and I looked and, and he looked at me and he went, you've got an idea, haven't you? And I went, yeah. He said, I'm not going to like it, am I? And I said, no. And he said, go on. What's your idea? I said, just turn the deck over. And he looked at me and he looked at the cards and he looked at me and he went, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> because you're trying to find the right method to do it when actually it's all you need to simple. do is turn the cards over. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that leads me on then. Obviously, you're having those conversations in the magic circle and yeah. openly talking about methods and how things are done. Um, so that then lends me down to the, the revealing of how magic is done. Um, mm. in the public domain now we've had the master magician on youtube doing loads of videos There's a variety of other people that have tried to reveal magic as well so and and i know and i've watched some of those because i love magic and i've watched some of those videos and you always come away with a massive amount of disappointment 
Yeah. Because once you've revealed and you go, oh, is that it? So kind of what's your feelings on the on people revealing how things are done? I think they should all be flogged and burned at the stake before they get hung, <laughs> drawn and quartered. Um... No, say what you really mean. <laughs> well, OK, then. Um, yeah, I mean, t- to be perfectly honest, it's a real annoyance. I mean, the number of times I've had people say to me, oh, I've, I've seen that done on YouTube. I know how it's done. And I, I say to them reasonably confidently, no, you haven't. and No, you don't. <laughs> because whatever you think it is, it's definitely not that. Um, th- th- there's, a whole, there's a whole bunch of schools of thought on that. Um, there are magicians who are out there on YouTube saying, hey, I'm going to reveal this trick. Um, for the most part, nobody cares. Nobody cares if you know how the trick is done. Because you're not achieving anything that the status that that you know some of these sort of younger i'm going to say magicians you know and, and youtubers think that they're getting from revealing these tricks that they're not getting at all it's not doing anything for them in actual fact when people see that and then they see a, a sort of a real hard working professional magician working that there's there's no crossover there you know you've got you've got this guy over here with with the cheap thrill who's going to show you how the trick is done and this guy over here is going to blow your mind and, and make you remember that moment for the rest of your life. You won't remember how that trick is no. done. What you will remember is the disappointment you feel from having suddenly had it revealed and being like, oh, gosh, is, is that it? And actually, for the most part, for the, for the majority of the tricks that I do, if, if I sat you down and said, well, I do this, and actually I do it like this, you'd be like, oh, what it's what is that it yeah yeah but there is the other side of it as well though isn't there and this is what i think a lot of people don't realize is that yes there are methods of you know like certainly in cards i've looked into it and i've tried to do the odd thing here and there pretty Mm. horrifically if i'm honest with you um of you know having the top card in the certain place and certain bits here there and everywhere and there's different methods to make cards be in the right place and i i understand Mm. that side of things but there's also the skill factor, but of the sleight of hand, you know, and that yes. is absolute skill. That isn't yes. just a trick. That is high class skill. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, and, and I think a lot of people, you know, kind of forget that. And, and it's the whole that there is definitely a chasm between knowing how something might be done and having the ability to do it. Um and, and and I think that is often something that that people people don't understand. And I mean, you know, I've I've had conversations over the years where people have called me and said, oh, "I want to hire you for this event. How much is it?" And I tell them the price. And they go, "Gosh, that's that's very expensive. All you're doing is a few tricks with a deck of cards." Hmm. To which I say, "Well, then why don't you do it?" Well, well, because I don't know how. That's what you're paying for. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 not it's not a simple thing. It's it it is it is a performance art and that's that's exactly i think how people should look at it but of course you know you you'll still get people who think oh i i'm gonna get youtube and insta famous by revealing all these tricks you're not because the second you stop doing that you lose all of your appeal um there's a there's a great line actually in um in the film the prestige where uh the, the main character borden is meeting um his who will be his future wife for the first time um, and her, I think, nephew. Um, and he, he offers to teach him 
how to make a, a coin or a ball vanish. And he says something along the lines of, now, when you show your friends, don't tell them how it's done. They'll beg you. They'll plead with you. Hmm. But don't tell them. Because as soon as you tell them, you're nothing. The secret is everything. Um, but the, the truth of the matter, really, is that nobody really wants to know. No. no nobody wants to know that I, I, I got the ring and the envelope just by doing this. Nobody wants to know that. Nobody wants to know that the, the box that was suspended from the ceiling, which was there the whole time, was actually done like this. Mm. Because the response is, oh, well, that's a shame. <laughs> it is what? a shame. Well, what's is, not yeah. a shame is that we're going to have another little break for music. When we come back, we're going to do magic live on the radio. So you've got a few minutes to prepare this. Try and find yourselves a pack of cards. And when we come back with Liam, we're going to all try and do some magic together. So we'll be right back after this. Across Bath, Westbury and Warminster, this is Radio Bath. Okay, so we're back. It's Richard Bobosan here until midday today with Liam Ball, who is a magician. Now, if you weren't listening earlier and you want to join in with this next part, in a couple of minutes, we're going to be doing magic live on the radio and you need to go and grab yourself a pack of cards and a table that you can put the cards down on as well. Okay, so grab yourselves that. Before that, we're just going to talk very quickly about kind of performing magic and how do you continually kind of improve what you do, Liam? Um, so that's that's a hot topic, to be honest. Um, it's it's very much the case that you sort of get to a point, and then the only way that you can go past that point is is by is by getting better. Um, it's very much like the, the the flat side of a bell curve. You know, you sort of start like this, and the more you do, the more it levels out. Um, I, I think one of the old adages is go and perform in front of a mirror. Um, which is probably some of the best, worst advice in the world. <laughs> For anybody out there who's learning magic, don't stand in front of a mirror and do it. That's, that's not the way to do it. Um, how, do you, how do you get better? So first and foremost, um, practice, 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 and then more practice. Um, practice until not only that you get it right every time, as I said earlier, that you just can't get it wrong. Um, once you're in that position, take it out, show it to people, um, let it develop. That's often what I do. I will, I will take a, a new thing out to the pub and sit down with friends and show it to them. Sometimes weeks and months before it ever makes it into my repertoire, if it even does. It doesn't always. Um, it's probably thirty percent of the things that I take out with me make it into the repertoire. And the rest of them don't. But once it's at that point, how do I get better at doing it? I, I do it more. Um, I perform more. Um, there's a great phrase that is there is no there is there is no substitute for flight time. The more you perform, the better the performer you will be. Always, even if even if you get no feedback, just by performing more, you will get better because you're performing more. Um, and then on the back of that, really, it's a case of getting feedback from people that are going to it's going to take you in the right direction. Um, so I, I have a group of people that I, I work reasonably closely with, who I trust, 
who I can sit down and say, right, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? I've done this. How does that look? Um, and, and they're quite comfortable in saying, Liam, that's awful. That's absolutely rubbish. Um, these are the, these, these were the good bits, but we'll put those to one side. These yeah. were the bits that were absolutely awful and they were awful because of this. And it's a case of going, right, okay, fine. So what if I do this or change those words or move that to there or change the timing? And usually it's the, it's the finest tweaks that will, that will accentuate how good an effect can be. Um, I was recently um, mentoring a chap for his magic circle exam. And he said, I'm doing this. I said, okay, it's great. The effect is brilliant. The first 30 seconds of your act are wonderful. You're using this word and it's, it's horrid change it for this word just a word and he went oh, okay i said and when you've said that word stop look to the audience at the left scan all the way across them to the right and then look back at the cards again and then do the thing and it suddenly became 10 times better because actually what he'd implemented was timing and showmanship mm. and 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 all that sort of stuff and then you you sort of get to a point where so when i mean i i, I perform at the magic circle at least once a month, if not more, in a live public show for real paying audiences and people. Um, I I am often there two, sometimes three times a month. And every single performance that I do, I record on my phone. I take the phone with me. I stick it on a tripod at the back of the, of the room. Um, I set it to record and I record the whole performance. And then when I get home, I sit down and I watch it. And I think, gosh, that was good. That was good. That was awful. That word yourself, didn't You're self-analyzing all the time then yourself. Absolutely. And yeah. no doubt, this is always important, I think, for anybody that's uh, kind of towards the top of their game, is that you should be your own worst critic, but also your best supporter as well. Yeah, You should absolutely. look at stuff and go. And I always remember watching Andy Murray in a post-interview on on tennis. And it really changed my mindset in that, we as British people always put ourselves down. And he turned around after this tennis match. And he went, I did this bit, this bit, this bit really well. I need to improve this part here. And it was just entirely analytical, but he could accept that he was doing parts well. And he mm. didn't need anybody else to tell him. He knew himself. And I thought that was, that was really quite fascinating. Um, just very quickly, going back to those corporate gigs, just thinking about this, how do you deal with like people that have had a little bit too much to drink? Carefully. Um, carefully is the quick thing um it's funny actually it's a question that came up recently so i i'm i'm pretty quick witted and i'm i'm pretty sharp when it comes down to having a having a sort of a head to head interchange with somebody um and i'm i'm never ever going to be that magician that embarrasses anybody ever for any reason no matter what um when Whenever I'm, I'm sort of, you know, picking up a new effect, the, the, the experience of my spectators and audience is, is paramount. That's, that's the reason I do what I do. I don't ever want anybody to feel awkward or embarrassed for any reason. So it, it comes along sometimes where you get people who are drunk and they think, I'm going to get one over on the magician. Um, and... It, it, it very much get. I, I think I'm very much at the point where I could walk into a room and go, that person, that person, that person, and that person, they're the ones who are going to give me trouble tonight. Great. And then I, I either, if I think they're going to be too much trouble, I avoid them. 
I was going to say, do you avoid them? Absolutely, yeah. I avoid them if needs be um, because they won't notice and everybody else will have a better night. Um, But then if I'm mid-performance and they walk over and they start talking to me, I I interact with them in a very very nice and pleasant manner. But I, I definitely have... My, my character definitely has an air of being the master of my environment. Hmm. So I I know exactly what's going on around me when I'm working. And if somebody comes over and they come up with a quick-witted line on the back of one of the lines in my routines, I, I, I've heard them all, everything. I know I know every clever retort that somebody might come up with. And I've got all the great answers for them that say very gently to that person, I'm going to win. <laughs> I'm it's going time to win. for you to be quiet. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I've, I've, I've on, I think there was, I think there was one occasion where I had to lean over very gently to this guy and say, everybody wants to have a great night tonight. And I know you do as well, but please understand this is my job. I am the sharpest man in this room right now. Whatever you say to me, I can respond to. And I can make it funny or I can destroy you. Please don't make me do the latter. And you're quite a big chap as well, aren't you? In regards to you, you do work out, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have a good go, yeah. Um yeah. Yes. Yeah, I I I have I have quite a presence. I mean I, I'm ex military as well, so I, I know how to carry myself, um, and and I I I definitely I definitely dress for the occasion. So, you know, I'm I'm I I wear the sharpest suit in any room. Um, I, I walk in, people know that I'm the magician. They know who I am, but I'm I'm dressed and presented in such a way where I'm very jovial and I'm very I'm very accommodating and I really get on with people and I I, I I'm really nice and you know I make sure that everybody feels welcome and comfortable but also that they know that all of those things are within my control. Yeah. Well, talking about something else in your control, it's time for magic on the radio then. Yes. So I I've got my cards in front of me. Marvelous. I generally don't know what's going to happen now. Liam hasn't told me any of this. I don't know any secrets. I'm not a stooge in any way shape or form. So we're all going to learn and do this trick together. So Liam, the gentleman magician, it's all down to you. Yeah. So uh, we're going to do something with a deck of playing cards. Um, the, the the requirements of the cards are reasonably straightforward. Um, they don't all need to be there. That's that's the first thing. If you've got a deck of cards where there's a card or two missing, it doesn't matter. Also, take out the jokers um, because if they pop up, uh, then that's that's just going to mean that you'll need to start again because it, it's it's not it's not a joker trick. And then you can take your cards and you can shuffle them, you can mix them, you can make sure that they are. Uh, random, as random as you like, um, whatever you like. And then when you've done that, I simply want you to place the cards face down on the table in front of you. Um, and, and actually, what's great about this is that this is a trick that will work for every single person here. Um, I don't I don't know why it works. I'm not going to tell you why it works, but it will work. And all you need to do is remember the order of the things that we're about to do and the next time anybody goes to a party, they can say, hey, get a deck of cards. I'm going to show you a trick. 
and this this will this is what will happen. So now the cards are on the table. I want you to split the cards into roughly three even piles. Okay, so I'm doing this. I'm going into three yeah. even piles here. Yeah. So roughly okay. three kind of evenish piles. Doesn't need to be exact, but roughly okay. three of them. Okay. I've done that. So I've got my three Good. piles. Excellent. And then when you've done that, you're going to pick one of those piles. I'm I'm going to take I'm going to take this one because it's the okay. closest one that's to me. Um, you don't need the others. If there are more people around the table and they each want to take a pile, they can. But what you'll end up with is roughly the third of a deck of cards. There might be anywhere between 17, 18, 19, 20 cards, somewhere about there. It doesn't matter. It's roughly about a third. And then you're going to mix these cards. You're going to shuffle them. Okay. So that, again, it's entirely random. And then when you've done that, you're going to hold the cards face down in your hand. And secretly, to yourself, you're going to lift up the whole thing and you're going to look at the bottom card and you're going to remember that card. Okay, so I, I know what my bottom card is. Perfect. The only thing you need to be able to do now is to spell the name of that card. And I'll give you a for instance. Let's say that my card was the Ace of Spades. It wasn't, but we'll say it was. You're going to start dealing cards from the top onto the table for every letter in Ace of Spades. Okay. So we'll go A, C, E, O, F, S, P, A, D, E, S. And then when you've done that, you take all of the other cards and you drop them straight on top of that pile. Okay, so I'm going to do this now. So I'm going to do mine. Yeah. But secretly, so you're not telling anyone. Okay, so I've dealt them all down. Yeah, and then you okay. drop everything that's left on top. On top. Okay, fantastic. I've done that. So I've dropped my extra cards, which obviously would have included the bottom card on top yeah. of the other cards. So your card is now somewhere roughly kind of ish, sort of in the middle. Now, we're going to do, you're going to keep the same card, but you're going to repeat that process of spelling the card again. So you're going to pick up the whole pile and you're okay. going to spell out the same card onto the table. Okay. Okay, I've and done then that. when you've done it again, you drop all the other cards on top. Done that. I've dropped them all. And they say that everything works better in threes. So we're going to do that once more. Okay. So you pick up the whole pile, spell it again. Okay. And now I've dropped the top. And you drop those all on top. Great stuff. Done that. Now, what, what that's now done is that's kind of mixed the pack and, and all the cards have been moved around. And your card that you're thinking about now is somewhere in that pile, but you couldn't possibly know where it is because of how we've, how we've counted them all and shuffled them all and mixed them and whatnot. Okay. Okay. So with those cards, you can pick them up again in your hand. So you're, you're holding them here. All you need to do now is think about the card that, that you were thinking of to begin with. So I'm going to tell you now for the first time that my card was the Ten of Diamonds. Okay. okay. So that was the card I was looking at, and I spelt three times in a row Ten of Diamonds and dropped the cards on top. So I'm just going to put my finger on the bottom, going to have a little push in the middle, and I'm just going to say Ten of Diamonds. And when that happens, what actually happens is a wonderful thing, is the Ten of Diamonds works its way out from wherever it is in the pack. It comes right up here. It comes right to the top. And right there on top, as you can see, is the, the Ten, ten of, of Diamonds. Time. So, Richard, what was your card? So, my card was the Ace of Hearts. The Ace of Hearts. So, you have to tap Ace the middle of, of the pack and say okay, Ace of Hearts. Here we go. And then... I'm, I'm tapping. And then, yeah, and then, then have a beat look. it to the camera. If this is wrong, this is terrible radio. But we'll find out. And hey! there is the Ace of Hearts. 
amazing. And every single person who's been doing this along with us, yeah. who's got their own cards, should now be looking yeah. at the card that they were thinking of, cheering and being like, oh my goodness, how does that work? And in truth, I have no idea, but you can do it all yourselves. All you need to do is remember what you did. And there we have magic on Radio Bath on a Thursday morning. How amazing is that? Um, <laughs> amazing, Liam. Well, we're going to have another little break for music. When we come back, it is that all-important quick-fire round. It's the ones where they don't know what the questions are, apart from the first one, of course, <laughs> which is what will Liam's favourite ice cream be? So we'll be right back after this. Made locally in Bath. This is Radio Bath. Okay, so we're back now with Liam Ball, magician, and it's time for the last link. First of all, Liam, tell us, so we're based in Bath and in Wiltshire. Can people hire you if they wanted to? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I work nationwide and, and in some instances worldwide. Um, so there isn't anywhere I won't go for the right event and, and, and the right kind of, the right kind of uh, magic. So, yeah. I thought you were going to say the right kind of money then. It's a little bit of that. Oh, there yeah. we go. And and if somebody did want to book you, how do they get in contact? Do you have a website, for instance? Um, I've got a couple. Yeah. So um, if people are looking for corporate events, it's www.gentlemanmagician.co.uk. Um, but if you're looking at hiring a, a magician or a host for a wedding, then it's www.liamballweddingmagician.com. Fantastic. Right. We're on to our quick fire round. So there's 11 questions here, Liam. Um, you get to know the first one after that unless you've listened to the show before, they're all a surprise to you. So uh, first of all, Liam, what is your favourite ice cream? Salted caramel ice cream. Ah, that's a good one. Um, so, yeah. Love Just, a bit of that. Yeah. yeah it's a, I've definitely got a sweet tooth. I, I like caramel and salted caramel is my absolute favourite thing in the world. Sounds very, very nice. Right. Are you tidy or messy? Mm, I'd like to say tidy, but I'm definitely not tidy. I'm definitely messy. I'm sure your magic trick of box, or your magic box of tricks, I should say, is probably quite tidy, isn't it? At the beginning of a gig, yeah, definitely. You're looking yeah, down I... to your right. Does that mean it's it's sat there on your right hand side by any chance? It's, I was just looking. There is there's a few bits and bobs over there, but yeah, it's there. Yeah, um, it's the bag itself is actually over there. That I whenever I come home from a gig, I have to tip it all out and um, and tidy it all up. Nice. I have to tidy up before the cleaner comes. At least you have a cleaner. Uh, love or hate roller coasters? Uh, love. Love. Okay, so what would be your favourite roller coaster? I haven't been on a roller coaster in years. It took me years and years to go on roller coasters. I, I used to live right near Alton Towers. I probably didn't go on my first roller coaster until I was, I'm going to say, 16, and it was the Nemesis roller coaster oh, at yeah. Towers. Sadly, at the um, moment, closed. Yes, and uh, yeah, then a few years and i i just i was i always thought i'd be terrified and then i wasn't um so yeah i don't like the big drop at the beginning but then after that it's all plain sailing all good after that uh again highbrow now uh do you hang your toilet roll over the top or behind the back over the top who who hides it be what no over the top it's the <laughs> only way there are some people that do put it behind the back. And I'll be honest, I didn't even think about this until maybe 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, over the top is the right way. Do you put a little triangle? So does your cleaner put a little triangle on it? She, she does not. <laughs> well, no, you, she does not. you need a new cleaner then, because that's the standard. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that you had a sweet tooth. Do you eat your chocolate from the fridge or from the cupboard? From the cupboard. From the cupboard, okay. Mm -hmm. Why not the yeah. fridge, though? Um, 
because then it's it's too hard. I like to I like to bite it and chew it, not crunch it. Okay. Yeah. Although I do have a friend who actually puts all of her chocolate in the freezer. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. That is slightly. <laughs> we we say that, but we eat chocolate ice cream from the freezer, don't we? We'd have yeah, but ice that's, cream, that's, a magnum. That's ice cream. Yeah. But yeah, the yeah, magnum. That'd be fine. Yeah. Got yeah. The there. Mm. Oh, there we go. Uh, do you make your bed in the morning? No. No, just simply no. no. Now I've no. had the pleasure. So people that regular lists on this will know that my next follow-up question is, do you have cushions on your bed? But if you don't even make your bed, it's unlikely. No, I have cushions on the sofa. Well, that's okay. Cushions on a sofa is quite normal. We have the cushions on the bed scenario, which I think we've worked out quite quite significantly. It's definitely a female thing. Okay? Yes. The, the cushions on the bed. Now, during this last week, my wife has been away, and therefore I've been at home alone, and the cushions that we normally have on the bed... I've been sat on the side all week. <laughs> I've taken great pleasure. I even took a picture of it and showed her this is how the bed is made this week. Very good. <laughs> so I made the bed, but no cushion, which is all good. Right. What is your favorite breakfast? Oh, gosh. Um, Tina, I, I really like food. Food is a big thing for me. So my favorite breakfast... I would say is pancakes. Oh, okay. Yeah. What would you have in well, your pancakes then? Well, well, yeah, but like proper pancakes, not not crepes, not like really thin pancakes, okay. like chunky pancakes with with like maple syrup and 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 maybe a fruit compote on top of them or something along those so lines. These are more of the American pancakes, really. Yeah, American style Thick pancakes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Definitely. Well, that sounds nice. Are you now currently quite hungry at that moment? Yes. Yes, yes I am. You're now there will be pancakes that. in my immediate future. <laughs> Fair uh, if you had to, what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh gosh, no, I, I wouldn't. I don't. My God, I, I, I can honestly say, hand on heart, I've never done karaoke. Have you not? I do not have a voice for singing. Um, but if I had to. I don't even think I know any songs. Well, I listen to so much music, but I don't. I don't. Yeah. No, Gary. Uh, oh, I, Go on. I, I heard. I heard a great track the other day. Uh, so I, I do sing along to things in the car sometimes. Okay. Yeah, so I'm definitely a car karaoke type person, but only when there's nobody else in the car. That's all right. Nobody's uh, listening. Um, it's fine. So, so I was. I was singing along to uh, Judgment Day by Stealth the other day. Pretty good okay. track. But yeah, that's and, probably the only thing that jumps to mind. And are you going to give us a little blast now? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, the worst thing is, is when I do the live lounges, they always feel obliged that they have to sing along. So, uh, mm. But you don't have to sing along. You're absolutely fine. Uh, what would be Brilliant. your favourite TV programme or film? It could be past, present or something you're currently watching. So I don't actually own a television. Um, so any of my TV fix, I only ever get through the laptop, um, because I, I just, I just don't have time to sit down and watch stuff. Um, what am I watching at the moment? Intermittently, I'm going back through all of the Stargate series. I like sci-fi, okay. sci-fi and fantasy things, anything with a little bit of escapism. 
um anything that's maybe a little bit magical or unusual or fantasy-esque i quite like but probably my favorite film of all time of all the films i've ever seen um is a film uh the last samurai with um tom cruise yeah great film great film yeah yeah great film right two questions to go then they get a little bit deeper now are you ready for this okay so if you came back in your next life as an animal which one would you be and why I would be most likely, uh, I was going to say a dog. I wouldn't. I'd probably be a cat. A cat is the popular answer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's all right. That, you can be a cat. It's not a problem. Well, I mean, that, that, yeah, that's probably why there's so many cats, actually. Yeah, I probably, I've, I've, just, I've just recently gotten a couple of cats. Um, okay. And they're just the cutest little things in the world. But they just, they just lay around all day and wait to get fed. And that just sounds perfect. It sounds nice, doesn't it? It really does. And your last question then, Liam Ball Magician, the Gentleman Magician, where is your happy place? The Magic Circle in London, 100%. Um, it's, it's It's the best place in the world. I get to go there every week at least once, usually two nights, sometimes three. And yeah, it's just the best place in the world to go because I get there and I get to leave the world at the door and all of my woes and sorrows and go in and either do magic or watch magic or talk about magic or meet magicians. Definitely the magic circle. And you say the public can come and see you as well. They can. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You can, you can buy tickets for magic circle public shows on their website, which is www.themagiccircle.co.uk. Um, and if you ever find yourself booking tickets for a close-up show on a Friday night, there is a 50-50 chance that you will see me there. Well, I will have to be in contact with you and try and come along when it is you, because that would be lovely to watch you in action. Um, Liam, thank you so much for your time today. I hope you've enjoyed it. You're very welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, remind everybody again, if they did want to book you for any event whatsoever, how could they get in contact with you? So it's on my website, it's www.gentlemanmagician.co.uk or if it's wedding specific, www.liamballweddingmagician.com. Thank you, Liam. This has been a story to tell with me, Richard Bovesan here on Radio Bath and we'll see you again very soon.